Welcome to the Ecom Wiz Podcast, a podcast that helps Amazon sellers to dominate the marketplace. And I do mean dominate. Dominate. Each week, we deliver the best interviews with some of the top Amazon influencers in the industry. This is the Ecom Wiz Podcast. Hey everyone, it's Rob Stanley with Feedback Wiz of the Ecom Wiz Podcast. Today, my special guest is Stephen Black. He's founder of Unstoppable FBA, and we're going to be covering today on how to drive external traffic to your Amazon listing. Welcome to the podcast, Stephen. Thank you, Robbie. I appreciate it. Glad to be here. Yeah. So we're going to jump right into this because people want to know what is some ways that they could start driving external traffic. I mean, we always talk about selling on Amazon, but mm-hmm. let's go into keeping those customers and driving them to Amazon. What, what is some of the tips you could start off with and then we'll kind of get going? Okay, well, you said two different things there is keeping I the did. customers and driving external traffic. So uh, we'll, we'll start with the latter. We'll start with driving external traffic. That's kind Perfect. of, the, I'm sure that's more, more of a hot button for people. Uh, there are a lot of sources to where you can drive external traffic uh, to, to Amazon, to your website, to all that kind of stuff. Me personally, I have it set up to where I have over 20 sources of traffic coming all at once. Uh, but I've been doing it for over a decade as, as you have. So you understand a lot of that and it requires a little bit different skill. The place that I would tell people to start, uh, everybody wants to talk about Facebook ads because most people read about Amazon and, and the groups and the tips and everything else on Facebook. So they're like, okay, Facebook ads. And it's one of the most powerful ad platforms and blah, blah, blah. But what they don't realize is it also requires a lot of know-how. You have to have copywriting skills. You have to have uh, a good understanding of your audience demographics. You, you have to you know, have really strong creative and, and one that's been tested to where people can engage. You have to understand campaign structure and budgeting and how things work. That's a lot to deal with for someone that's just, you know, just has a single product on Amazon or something of that variety. What I would suggest, because the account structuring is very similar, is look into Google search ads. Because if you've already looked at your keywords and you have some ideas on, on getting all of that moving, you can do the same kind of process on Google uh, and, and find plenty of people for relatively inexpensive margins. You know, uh, you know th- those Google shop, or not, not necessarily Google shopping ads, it's a separate one, but that's, that's the next one on the list. But <laughs> there's, there's what people call AdWords, Google search ads. Uh, if you're going to run AdWords, your keyword research, how you set up your PPC campaigns on Amazon, where you have account, campaign, ad group, keywords, budget, it's literally the exact same thing uh, with Google search ads, AdWords. Uh, AdWords has a great keyword planner to where you can start getting some ideas for volume and all that kind of thing. Uh, the, 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 the match types work the same way. So it's very easy to take your knowledge on PPC and transfer that over to Google search ads. And all of a sudden you have an extra source moving on your, uh, you know, on your marketing efforts. So that's a really low hanging fruit right there. That's, that's the place I would recommend people start. Um, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, that, that was perfect. And, and earlier, right before we got on the podcast here, we were talking about the keywords. Let's go into a little bit about, you know, people are going to say that the keywords that are out there are really expensive. You know, all the good keywords are taken. Why don't you tell them a little bit of advice about where to get started in that sort of keyword area? Okay. So uh, to be fair, those of you that don't know me, I'm also a writer. I write a ton. Anybody that's seen my group, I have, you know, 
wall of text articles. Uh, <laughs> it's just, it's just what I do. I love to write. So uh, I have an understanding of, of words and how it all works, but what most people don't understand um, as far as the three match types, broad phrase and exact different phrases have different buying intent. When you add an adjective or a descriptive uh, preposition or a modifier of sorts, you're, you're, you're changing the buying intent. If I'm searching for um, Tumblr cup, okay, that's, that's going to be more of a broad search term. It has one to two words in the phrase. That may be something that maybe it's going to get 10 to 20,000 searches on Amazon, but people are researching what they really want. Okay. Do I want tall tumbler cup? Do I want a wine tumbler cup? Do I want a turvis tumbler cup? Do I want a particular sports team uh, tumbler cup? Do I want the dog owner tumbler cup? Do I want a specific type of dog tumbler cup? So you see how I'm getting more descriptive. That's where your phrase and exact matches come in. And most people, you, you have to think, okay, how is it between broad phrase and exact? And how do those work in concert? Most people say, okay, I have my auto and the keywords I really want to hammer on. I'm going to put those um, in a campaign separately. I'm going to put everything under exact match in a single ad group. And it's never going to work that way. It's never going to work that way because the difference even, you know, from broad to phrase is that broad can be in any order. So it will find other things. If I'm like, let's say I was, you know, football, like a Green Bay Packers fan. Okay, if I go back to, uh, to Tumblr Cup, if I put in uh, Tumblr Cup Green Bay Packers, okay, that will show for Tumblr Cup Green Bay Packers the same way as it will show for Green Bay Packers Tumblr Cup. That's broad match. Phrase match, if I put in Green Bay Packers Tumblr Cup, it will show for that phrase, but it will not show for Tumblr Cup Green Bay Packers because they have to be in order for phrase. Now, if I say if I say that and you know the product description also shows for small or large or tall or stainless steel or plastic or whatever as a modifier, right? It'll show in phrase, but it won't show in exact. So by understanding the differences in that. You, you'll, you'll begin to start picking apart keywords. When I go through keyword research, I don't want to pick on 20 or 30 keywords like everybody else. No way. I don't want some 10,000 uh, net volume a month keyword. I would rather have five that are 2,000 a month, but 10% of the original competition because I'm not worried about impressions. I'm worried about conversions. Yeah. If I have a term that has 10,000 searches a month, but I have 2,000 competitors on the term, well, okay, that's very different than if I can find five, 2,000 search, you know, uh, search volume keywords a month, but my competition is only 500 sellers. Like I can absolutely dominate that market. And so what you want to do is two things with that. You want, and this is both for on Amazon and your, your, your Google search ads. And also kind of when you do some SEO stuff, if you ever want to get into that. But what it is, is you want to say, okay, I want to find something that has a little more buying intent, a descriptor of some sort, right? Like a color, a, a particular sports team, a type of dog, a type of whatever it is, it's part of that lifestyle or a sizing thing or something like that. That's higher buying intent. Somebody has an idea of what they really want. It means they want to buy it. That's why they're searching. Okay. Yeah, that's um, exactly it. 
Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump in because I want to uh, let everybody know. So keep listening because we are going to tie this in. We we're just kind of working up to how this ties into Amazon. Also, if you're not familiar with some of these keywords he's talking about in the sense of like exact match and things like that, Google has free classes to teach you AdWords. Okay. Huge. And it's certification. So if you're not familiar with it, you can get on Google. You can learn everything he's talking about. And let's face it, if you're in this business and you want to be in this business a long time, you need to be learning, okay? So before we go on to the whole, uh, to the whole Amazon or Google Shopping, I'm sorry, to Google Shopping, just so you know that we are tying this in, keep listening to what we're talking about. Steven has a ton of great information. Sorry, Steve, I just wanted to interrupt there. Well, a little that's, bit. that's totally, totally fine. Totally, totally fine. I'm glad you did that. Um, but yeah, by understanding the keywords like that and saying, okay, let me go back through my list that I originally started with, whether it be on Amazon or your Google uh, AdWords planner. Okay, go back through. Do you reverse ASINs for every one of your competitors? Uh, maybe use Helium 10's magnet and find some other keywords around it. There's a bunch of other uh, great keyword sources that you can find where you can get lists of hundreds of keywords. Step number two after you find them is deduplicate them. It's easy to do that in an Excel spreadsheet. Uh, I would keep each source separate per sheet. Um, and then go through and say, okay, let me search these by buying intent. These are the ones I think are going to be really good and run them, especially when you get into phrases that are three and four words long, right? Yeah. Like Tumblr cup is going to have a much higher search volume, but lower buying intent than tall white Tumblr cup. Like if I search that, nobody's going to be bidding on that. And if I bid on it, instead of having to pay, you know, $2 per click and $10 per sale, I might be bidding 30 cents per click and $2 a sale. And that extra profit margin is going to allow me to scale and get into opportunities that you can't touch just because I took a little bit of extra time and sorted my keywords. And friends, that works both on your PPC on Amazon and in parallel with your Google search ads, your AdWords campaigns easy stuff to do, low hanging fruit that you can all of a sudden double or better your traffic efforts coming to your listing, even if you're only on Amazon. Yeah, that's, that's well put. That is great information right there. A lot of people are, are not doing that. They kind of moved away from that. It seems like when, especially the Amazon people, everybody jumps on Amazon, wants to do everything Amazon, but there's another world out there of driving traffic to your Amazon listings. And that's what we're talking about today. And, you know, we're going to talk a little bit about Google shopping and then we're going to go into some Shopify yep. also and some more tips on that. So tell us a little bit on, on, you know, explain to everybody a little bit what Google shopping is and maybe some tips they could do over there. Sure, sure, sure. Um, okay. So Google shopping, if you search something, if we go back to the example to keep consistency of yep. white tumbler cup, right? If you search that on Google, what will happen is you'll see something pop up where there's pictures with prices underneath them, almost like a carousel catalog that you would see in a Facebook ad or something like that. That's Google shopping. What happens is whatever the vendor is, they have a website and they open a merchant account with Google. And again, guys, like, like, like he was saying, this is free information that Google puts out how to get on the platform. All right. And they set up what's called a catalog of all their products. Here's the picture, here's the pricing, here's the link to the website where they can check out and you set it up for Google shopping. It's another source of traffic. Um, and it's interesting because it's still semi-based on the keyword behavior. It's really, really easy to do. It's a way to expand your offerings. So let's think about it. If you're on Amazon 
and everybody is competing on Amazon. Well, if you can point your, 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 your items to Google AdWords and Google Shopping, you're good to go. Now, Google Shopping, I will say, does require an external website, at least a place to park them. And if you're not great with websites and you don't want to set up the monthly thing on a Shopify store, oh my gosh, set up a WordPress site, set up a WooCommerce site. Um, and what you can do is you can set up an Amazon affiliate account and just put a button that says buy on Amazon and it'll take them right to your listing and you can be done with that and just run the Google shopping straight to that. Because still, if, if you're paying $2 a click or, or, or hell in the, in the supplement space, you're paying four or $5 a click in something competitive. Well, okay. If you're converting at 20%, now you're paying $25 a sale. Yeah. That is so razor thin. If I can get on Google shopping and net myself six or $8 a sale, come on. It's so much easier, so much easier. And everybody gets caught up on Amazon, 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 and page one, page one, page one. They have all these gimmicks and giveaways and all that garbage. I don't do any of that. And I'm not going to give you a big discount either. I would rather meet you somewhere else and uh, capture part of the market that nobody's talking to. You know, give, give me, give me the neglected people and let, let me, let me touch them a little bit and give them a reason to buy from me. And I, I get, I get my sales for much, much less expensive. You know, pay, page one and sales velocity becomes a byproduct because I can scale my advertising efforts faster because I have more profit. If you're hammering on, 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 on Amazon, trying to get to page one and, and competing with giveaways and, and doing just PPC there. And I have at least those other two and I have more profit margin, nothing you can do about it. There's nothing you can do about it. You're smoked. Yeah. So well, I'm going to toss in a couple of things there too, that, uh, first of all, if I'm not mistaken, Shopify has either a plugin available that will interact with Google shopping. So basically it'll take your catalog and dump it onto Google shopping for you without you having to really do anything other than set up, I think the initial connection. Yeah. And then also, if I'm not mistaken on WordPress, there's a plugin also that will connect your products on your WordPress store, so to speak, and put it over onto Google Shopping. So these are just free things that, if I'm not mistaken, they're free, and you can just yeah. plug them in and get you on Google Shopping, what he's talking about right now. Yeah, the, the, the trick is that you have to set up a merchant account with Google, and that's usually yes. where people catch a hiccup in setting up Google Shopping. Um, I did it so long ago, that, and I understand the manual process, that it, I, I, didn't even, I didn't even look for a plugin. I was just like, okay, let me just set up a catalog because in, in setting up a catalog, we'll, we'll take a two sentence tangent. If you understand how to set up a catalog for Google shopping, you can also set up that same catalog on Facebook. And now if you run a business page, it will show up on your business page as Facebook shopping. Or if you have an Instagram account, it shows up as Instagram shopping. Those are extra channels. Yeah. If you're building an audience, you should be capitalizing on that. And we can talk about that a little bit later. We'll, we'll keep it lower level for right now. Sure. Yeah, no, I remember doing mine in an Excel sheet to get it over there. But I think, I think a lot of it now is already uh, automated and has the same correct cell matching from each of the different sites over there. Mm -hmm. So there's lots of, again, Google, everything we're talking about, Google has for free and will teach you how to do it with either videos or descriptions or whatever. Yeah, so, if, if I you're mean, looking for it, go to um, Google Academy. Yes. What they call it, Google Academy. And they have Google search ads, Google shopping, YouTube, uh, Google display network. They have everything there. Everything there. It's the easiest thing in the world. 
um, and it's all free information. Uh, and again, Google search ads, uh, they set up the account structure the same way with the same names at each level that your Amazon PPC does. So, I mean, it's, it, it transfers over immediately as far as your knowledge base. Yeah. So let, let's talk about why and how you started on Shopify before going over to Amazon and how you're getting the two to interact basically. So, cause you, you, okay. you, uh, and then after that, we're going to dive deep into your kind of background, but let's, let's kind of tie this in with the whole Shopify and the Amazon. Okay. So, um, I, I came to Amazon as a marketer. Anybody that knows anything about me knows that I, I don't fancy myself as an Amazon seller. I'm a marketer who uses Amazon as one of my distribution points or one of the cashiers in my operation, so to speak. But the reason that I, I absolutely insist on having an external site and Shopify is just easiest for me um, is because I absolutely refuse to speculate before I buy into a product. I'm not going to source something and spend thousands of dollars based solely on speculation. I wanted a way to test it. Shopify costs 30 bucks a month and it's easy to get it moving. So what I will do is once I have the idea for a product, what I'll do is uh, I, will, I will set up a coming soon page on my Shopify store. I won't even buy the product yet. Uh, maybe I'll have a few samples or something, but I'm not going to buy in, not even an MOQ yet, right? But I'll set it up as a coming soon page, right? Uh, and I will also set up Google Optimizer on the site. So you can, I'll, I'll get to that in a second. You're, you guys are going to like that one. But I'll run traffic to the site. Uh, as an engagement ad, like, Hey, we're considering coming out with this. You know, what do you guys think coming soon? And you can put an email there if you're interested or a little messenger button say here, keep me updated. Yeah, sure. All I'm doing is seeing, is there some version of interest with the audience that I'm sniffing? That's a Facebook ad. If there is, okay, cool. Let me contact the supplier. Let me get, you know, 50 or a hundred units or something like that. Okay, sure. Now what I'm going to do is I'm going to go back and I'm going to run some ads to the store, Google search ads, Google shopping. I can run some Facebook purchase conversion ads because you have to have a website to, with, a, with a functioning cart to actually be able to run those kind of campaigns. Pro tip for everybody there. And if you want to sell anything with Facebook ads, that's the kind of campaign you need to run. Let's just get that out of the way. Now I'm going to run all that traffic to my Shopify store. I haven't even talked about Amazon yet. Why? Because now, okay, if I have Google Optimizer on there, it allows me to test the order of the pictures, the headline, the text. And if you think for some reason my product page doesn't extremely closely emulate the product page on Amazon, you're fooling yourself. Mm -hmm. I'm testing the order of the pictures. I'm testing the copy based on conversion rate on the store. And if somebody buys, okay, cool. I get my assistant to box it up and we send it out to them. If I can test multiple products this way without going too deep, that way if I catch a loser, I'm not out so much money I can't recover. But if I catch a winner, if I catch something that catches fire, okay, perfect. I'm profitable. I figured out the correct order of pictures and my copy and my conversion stuff. Bingo. Open up the Amazon listing, go ahead and buy deeper, get my keywords all set up properly on Amazon transfer the listing up there, bingo. Now, do I send people straight to Amazon? No, you don't. Because you're going to have so many people buy on your Shopify store, but you're going to have it uh, probably, uh, you know, 30% uh, uh, of your traffic more yeah. uh, uh, add to the cart, but never, never actually go through with the purchase. 
okay, fine. I don't want to leave those people alone. People that abandon cart, a lot of them just need a little bit of extra incentive to go over the goal line. They've already thought about it. They've shown buying intent. So what I'll do is I'll run abandoned cart ads via Google, or uh, I will offer to them in their email if they're on my newsletter, or I will run a Facebook retargeting ad. And what I'll do is I'll say, okay, I'm going to send one ad back to the Shopify store, back to their cart. The other ad, I'm going to 90% of the copy and everything is going to be the same, but I'm going to say, hey, you can also buy this on Amazon through the Prime experience. Click right here. And it takes them to my Amazon listing from the ad. And guess what? Usually, because it's usually two bucks lower on Amazon and the Prime program, that's usually all they need to go over the goal line. So it skyrockets my abandoned cart recovery rate. And as long as they buy from me, I don't care where they buy. That's the point. Yeah. So I'm, I'm not chasing people on Amazon. I'm only making sure I give the effort to people that have the most buying intent. And here's the other benefit. Now I own all that customer data. I can, I can, I can retarget them with a thank you video. I can, I can uh, get them to some of my social groups and pump them for repeat business. I can offer them whatever I want to leave a review on my site. You know, and a lot of the times, if, if somebody finds out they can buy on Amazon after coming to your site, great. Let them go to Amazon and search your brand name and they'll buy. You get that a lot, but they've also still left their footprint on your site. You have that data now. You can do whatever you need to to get them back. And it should be said, most people running ads are making purchase offer ads. I run a crap load of strictly content ads. I don't want to sell you because if I give you a pitch, that's me pushing something at you and that gives you something to resist. Even if you want to buy something, everyone is a psychological thing. It's a human nature thing. We resist something that's pushed at us. But anything that is our idea, we can't be convinced otherwise. So if I push content at you and I get you warmed up to me and I give you some other things on the site, you're like, hey, you know what? I hadn't thought about it like that. This is kind of interesting. Who the hell are you going to buy from when it's time to buy? I've got yeah. you. I mean, that's, that's the whole operation. So I use Shopify to shake down products and find out what the winners are. Sometimes I'll run private label products next to print on demand products next to, you know, items that I have as a wholesale arrangement with, with other vendors that are all complimentary. I might have 10 or 12 products that I'm testing at once on my Shopify store. If I'm selling, you know, 20 a week out of everything, but two of them I'm shooting at 80 a week, Guess which ones I'm going to buy deep on and send them to Amazon. Bingo. Because now I'm playing a game I know I can't lose. Yeah. That's how you use an external website like Shopify to control the customer data. Because I'm sorry, Amazon, if I'm paying for the customers, they're not yours, they're mine. Right? And yeah. then you can, you can get surprised and say, oh, okay, this is a winner and this is a winner. And by having that store, I'm now able to show people complimentary products that have nothing to do with my competitors and that boosts their average order value that they're going to buy. It's yeah. the easiest thing in the world. Your margins are better. Your margins are yeah. better on that Shopify. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's how I use Shopify as my favorite tool for Amazon. Yeah, that's perfect. And then uh, let's give them an example of a content ad. So just so they understand what that is and maybe yeah. how you use it. Because okay. I have a, in my head, my, how, how you're po possibly using it, but I'd like to hear what, how you're using that. Okay. Well, let's say I have, uh, I'm in the pet niche. Let's say I'm okay. selling, uh, you know, pet, pet goods, a dog collar, dog chew toys, um, dog joint supplements, blah, blah, blah. 
All right. I am not going to say, hey, dog owner, do you have uh, a, a, an older dog with aches? Try my joint supplement. That's what everybody else does. I don't want to do what everybody else does. What I'm going to do is I'm going to say, uh, I'm going to run an ad that's super fast. It's going to be a 15 second video. Uh, five things you didn't know you could do with your senior dog in the winter. And people go, huh, that's cool. That's neat. I like that. Okay, cool. They engage with that. I'm going to add them to a custom audience of everybody else that is engaged within the last X amount of time frame with yeah. any ad or any post on the page because you can make that an audience insights in Facebook. Yeah. Right? And you say, okay, cool. I'm going to run another ad to them. Right? Okay, cool. Uh, how you need to change what you feed your dog for the winter. Like, and it's, it, it's September here in the States for everybody listening to this. So winter is yeah. a few months. And realistically, all I'm doing is I'm putting a few things in front of people and we're talking less than a cent per video view. Um, usually, you know, five cents per engagement, something ridiculous like that. And all of those people, they don't realize it, but I've, they, I've put mud on their foot. Anybody that engages and comments or likes or shares or whatever, there you go. If I get them two or three times, I'm going to, I'm going to get them to my page. Right. Or they've seen it a few times. Now I'm going to make an offer to them. And I'm going to have higher conversions. Or I might say, you know, I'm, I might have a, a, a hook as a leader. You know, I go back to the same topic. Instead of just running it as a video, I might say um, 10 things you didn't know your old dog could learn. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, that's interesting. And it's actually a blog article attached to my site. And you, yeah. know what's at the bottom of the, you know what's at the bottom of the blog? A feed of three products that relate to that lifestyle. Guys, if you want to sell products, sell them indirectly. This is the biggest pro tip I could give on the entire show. Yep. Do not sell your products directly. Sell them indirectly. If you sell the lifestyle, people will buy the products to actualize the lifestyle. That's how that works. We don't buy things for the object itself. I'm not going to buy a gym membership because I like to work out. I want to be a stronger, more athletic, sexier, handsome version of me. I need to get my ass in shape. I should buy a gym membership, but I only know I should because I've consumed content that says, oh, these are the health benefits of getting in shape. This is the attractive factor of getting in shape. You'll have more energy, blah, 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 blah. Okay. The product, the buy-in, the service is the pathway. So if you're selling a pet food or sorry, a pet supplement or a pet good or something like that, sell the lifestyle. And then that always raises the question, if I'm selling something mundane like a trash can, how the hell do I do that? Well, <laughs> that's easy. If it's, an, if it's a mundane object, then you can't sell the product. Yeah. But if I'm selling a trash can, why wouldn't I give home hygiene tips? Different things you can, you know, time savers in the kitchen, you know, uh, health, healthy living tips. And the trash can just happens to be part of that offering. Because yeah. it's some special, you know, natural earth, super hygienic trash can thing. Like, you see where I'm going with this? That's yeah. how you go with that. Now, here's the fun part. If we tie it back to the original part of the conversation, if you go in Facebook groups or if you go on Reddit or if you go in the Amazon reviews of all your competitors or in the niche, you can do speech analysis. See what people are talking about. See what phrases they're using to describe their problems. 
and then go back and plug in those keywords in your content because now they can identify with the message because they're the kind of person that said it in the first place. It's yeah. pretty straightforward. Pretty straightforward. Just requires an extra ounce of effort. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about your, one of the things you mentioned was like doing an article, right? Top 10 mm -hmm. of, you know, old dogs uh, needs or, you know, ways yeah. to help your old dog. So let's talk about if people don't know, let, let's say they're not really good at writing articles. Yeah. Just so people know there's services out there. I mean, I just yeah. got, had Nathan on the show from free up just a couple yeah. episodes ago and there's content writers out there you can hire and they're not super expensive. You can get, there you go. Stephen Black, content writer extraordinaire. Yep. Probably should be a guy running this podcast right now. So this is amazing. It's, I, it's just a, se it's a separate thing that it's I deal with. Amazing info, by the way, you're given here. And, and if people aren't listening to this, they're, they're going to oh, miss well. out. They're totally oh, well. missing out because there's some great info you're giving them here. And uh, so, so let's go into a little more. Now, we talked about the Shopify, open the Shopify store, opening a WordPress store. You're collecting all the inf information. We've talked, I, we, you kind of dove in a little of how you're using that information. Did we miss anything on how you're using their information? Because I think, I feel like we missed a little bit, maybe. Um, maybe. I want, to an I want to capitalize on a statement you just said, though. Go ahead. You asked, what if people aren't good writers? And that is what I get all the time. You don't have to be. Yeah. So instead of being a content creator, be a content curator because there are other blogs and publications and everything else that you can find from various experts that can give you ideas to write about. You do not need to write Pulitzer Prize winning journalism. You just need to pull three or four interesting facts. Pro tip for everybody in the skin cream game, follow a few dermatology blogs. Mm. It will help a lot. That's all you got to do. Just pull a couple of interesting facts, give your thoughts on those facts to drive discussion. You're done. Next. Yeah. Like that's the easiest way to do it. So you're learning the, you're learning the niche as you share with other people. You don't need to be the encyclopedia. You just need to be everybody's favorite newscaster. Exactly. exactly. So there's, and, there's that. And I'm going to throw in there. Don't write a sales article. No. Write oh, an gosh. informative article. That's the number one tip I could give. And one thing that we do a lot here at Feedback Quiz on our blog is we do informative blog articles. Now, is there, of course, a little bit in there, here and there, that's a little sales pitch? Of course, but 95% of the article is going to give you information mm -hmm. and it's going to teach you something about Amazon or what to do with feedback and things like that. We're, we're here to teach you. And then hopefully part of that is you'll either click on it and go to the Amazon product that you're selling or to the Shopify store so you can collect their information. So just, just a tip there. Don't make it a sales article. Make sure it's a content article. Absolutely. That's yeah, it's definitely one thing to, uh, to do. So I was watching. I got to throw this in before I forget because I'm going to yeah. forget it. I was watching an interview you did and you talked about raising the price of your product. Oh my gosh, please. Tell them that. why they should be raising the price of their product. Okay. Um, if you're doing the same thing as everybody else, uh, and you have the same model and you have the same value proposition, the only thing left is to race to the bottom. I don't want to do that. Uh, and pricing is very much a psychology game, not an objective game. Nobody's going to buy something for just only, uh, emphasis there, uh, only the, the utilitarian consumerist value 
of that product. You know, I'm not going to spend time looking for the, 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 the coat that is going to make me the correct temperature of warm. It's all relative. Why would I spend money? Why would I spend a thousand dollars for a dress overcoat when I can go to target and probably get me one that's going to keep me mostly just as warm for 80. Well, value is in the buyer's mind. Okay. Um, if you raise your price, people are going to think there's more of it. Ways to justify that price without changing the objective product itself. Because I would rather change, if value is all in people's mind and it's like an irrational thing, we don't need to change the product so much. We just need to change how people view it. I want you to think about something. Next time you go to a restaurant, if it's a heavier bottle of wine versus a lighter bottle of wine, if the glass is thicker, they're going to charge more. Mm -hmm. Any box you've ever lifted up, any kind of premium packaging that has a little more weight to it, they're going to charge more. That's the idea because it feels more substantive. All right. Uh, I put enormous efforts into my product presentation, enormous efforts into my box. I will raise my price $5 above everyone else just to justify the unit price of my packaging if I have to, or more. Like if, if I, if it's, if it's, if I'm going to pay an extra $9 for packaging, you know, per unit, well, I just went to luxury class kind of thing. Or if it's $15 because it's some extra presentation. Yeah. Because when people open that Brown Amazon box and they see, you know, if they see your product and it comes in a Brown Amazon box with a simple, you know, papery thing, and there's a few, you know, bits of information on there, that's cool. But if they open mine, and it's like a presentation and there's tissue paper and there's an explanation and it's like this foam molded thing and there's different materials and it feels more substantive in their hands. That first touch point, all of the sudden, they're looking for other reasons to say, wow, this is amazing. And you've just justified the higher price. That's yeah. the whole thing. And guys, you have to realize if you want to justify a higher price, stop competing with your competitors and compete with your competition. Those are two different things. Very, 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 very different things. Okay. So as, as a, for instance, um, if I'm taking a joint supplement, right. Uh, and I'm just going to a super competitive category right now. Uh, and it's coincidentally the same thing as the beauty niche. If I have vitamin C serum, which is super popular, right. How do I not have to deal with everybody else that's selling vitamin C serum or that's selling a joint supplement? Well, I'm not worried about them. If I'm, if I'm worried about taking a joint supplement, the alternative is not another joint supplement that's going to offer me more pills for less money. That's not what I'm after, okay? What I'm really after is I want to take a joint supplement so I don't have to radically adjust my diet. The, the, the competition is not the other joint supplement. It is radically changing my diet, having to go work out. Yeah. Whoa, like that's, that's what you want to think about. So if you go from that angle and you can save people all that extra effort, I'm not talking about pills per price anymore. If I'm working on a beauty cream, vitamin C serum, that's going to make my skin nicer. I don't want to compete against the next person that has vitamin C in their stuff, but they offer a few more ounces and it, it smells nice. I don't care about that. I'm worried about having to compete against, you know, uh, uh, a dermatology prescription, or I'm having to compete against, um, you know, 
my, uh, you know, my, my, my girlfriends, uh, that they're single with me, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm having to compete against the person that I'm trying to win out against the job interview. Yeah. Like those are very different things. Those are the alternatives to the product itself. That's competition. The people that have the same product, that's competitors. I don't worry about competitors, right? It's like if if you live in a city where they have mass transit, like trains and subways and that kind of thing, it's not one subway line versus another. That's not what you do. If you're going to take a three-hour train ride somewhere, like if you're in the Northeast and you're going to go between states, you're not taking a three-hour train ride somewhere. You're selecting, do I take this train ride versus do I get in the car versus do I take a short flight? One of them is going to be longer than the others right? Why would I take a train over an airplane? Because I can sit and relax and get work done versus being cramped on the flying crap tin. But if we take it back to Amazon, think about what we did earlier with, with, the, um, with, with the keywords, right? Yeah. It's buying intent. And guys, here's, here's how it all boils down for value. People do not buy because you're selling them, right? Your ads, the clicks is people coming in to see what the customer experience is. If you make it easier for them to give you their money, they will give you more of it. Stop keyword stuffing your listings, make it easy for people to understand what they're buying and why it's going to benefit them. Talk about them versus how much better you are than your competitors. Absolutely. The user experience is what sells. So for me, like I run a ton of Facebook ads, Instead of running just offer ads, I run ads to acquire people to my audience. And then I'm going to nurture the fire out of them. Yep. With email lists and, and huge engaging uh, uh, social media channels, I want to nurture them. That way when I make an offer, it, it, everybody can capitalize at once and I haven't really paid much for that person. Maybe I put in a little more time. Yeah, but my customer lifetime value is also higher than yours when you're just direct selling them. And I'm going to get more people in on that. So... I mean, it's, it's, it's so much easier. If you raise the customer experience with your packaging or with your nurturing yeah. or with how much easier you make understanding the listing, so much easier. Think about this. Titles, titles on Amazon. Oh my gosh. I deal with them every day and everybody's keyword stuff's their title. Yeah. Pick the one phrase that you think is going to give you the most orders in the title to where it feels like a coherent sentence maybe two if it's short and just put those in the title and then go down the rest of your listing with everything else. People can't under, if people don't understand something, they're not going to buy. So your conversion rates may drastically increase and you can probably justify more pricing just by making it clearer what you're offering. Put people in that driver's seat. We don't go to the Avengers movies because we like watching the Avengers. We go to the Avengers movies because they do a good job of allowing us to jump in those people's shoes. Yeah, that's, that's how it works. And if you do that for your customers that are coming to your listings, you'll blow up. It's the easiest thing in the world because you're changing perception just a little bit, making it easier for people to understand. Yeah, that's well said. I'm, I'm going to uh, jump in there on that too, that yeah. the perceived value. So think of it this way too, that when, when you're searching for something, and I'll give you a good, I'll give an actual example. I was looking for a new wallet. Okay. And I was on Amazon looking at the different listings I specifically needed a keyword of, I wanted real leather. I wanted a real leather wallet. Half the time, I had to read in the description to find out if it was real leather. Why wouldn't you put that in the title? 
It's like put in the title exactly what I'm looking for. I'm looking for a real leather trifold wallet. There's your title almost. Go ahead. But some people put real leather in the title, but it's keyword stuff. So it's not really a coherent title. They're just trying to show for as many keywords. What he's saying, guys, is if you would have said real leather trifold wallet for men, done. He wouldn't even searched anywhere else because- Honestly, most of the frustration on Amazon is people trying to figure out which one's not going to be completely ideal, but which item has the least probability of being awful and that they actually understand. So with his example, with, with saying, I just wanted a leather trifold wallet. The minute I can actually understand that's what I'm looking for, boom, if it works, I'm going to buy it. I don't want to think. And the less thinking you have people do, the more you can charge and do it more often. Yeah, and so to get on, on that point, I narrowed it down to two, $14.99, $9.99. Now, why did I pick the $14.99 and go with the more expensive one? Even though they almost looked identical, it actually had to do, it wasn't even with, necessarily with reviews. I mean, I, I checked those out too, right? You always wanna check everything out. It was actually the quality of the photo. I got a better idea from the quality of the photos at $14.99 that I was just like, oh my God, I, I get what I'm going to actually receive. And then, then just to follow it up, when I did receive it, and they didn't even put this in the photo, it came in a nice box like you're talking about. After I opened the brown box, there's a nice box. And it had uh, tissue paper around it. And it had like this great smell of the leather. And they had these little card in there and this little leather, you know, extra thing. Like it was well presented. So now my perception went from that $4.99 extra or five bucks extra I paid I was like, oh my God, wow, this is really good. Now, being a person that sourced from China, I know that that little box and the tissue paper, they're talking cents. They paid cents for that extra perceived value when it got to my house and I got it. I got this warm, fuzzy feeling that I got exactly what I paid for and look at this great presentation. This is gonna be exactly what I wanted. Um, To piggyback on that, when you do that, when you give someone more than what they think they paid for, that's how you get positive reviews. Reviews do not come from just product sales. Forget that. Get that out of your head. If I gave you money, I expect it to meet a certain expectation. If you blow me out of the water like he's talking about, well, now I want to tell other people about it. Say, yo, I'm not, I'm, surely I'm not the only one that has experienced this wow factor. Let me leave a review so other people can like my review, just so I know I'm not crazy. And this especially works with high-end products. So we can go and get a $14.99 wallet. Why is it that other people will pay $300? You'll notice that on the $300 wallets, there's a lot more reviews. Why? Because I have to tell other people to justify how wow I am with this wallet. Maybe it's a status thing, but if I promise you that presentation is going to be just as strong as what he just talked about, because now it's in my mind, I'm going to go, wow. I'm so glad I didn't cheap out here. Everybody's like, you paid $300 for a wallet? Like, you don't understand. And we're going to tell people that, that you just have to, you have to buy to understand what it is. It's just one of those things. Like, it's like Ferraris. Only Ferrari owners understand Ferraris, right? <laughs> and, and it's just one of those things. Like, why would you do that when it goes from point A to point B? It's the experience. Yeah. It's, it's what it is. That presentation, that box, being able to say, whoa, that's crazy. I wasn't expecting that. You went above my expectations. I'll leave a review. So much easier to do it that way. 
So you're changing people's minds and then taking advantage of that situation for your own gains as well. And that's how it works. It's, it's yeah. the easiest thing in the world when you set it up. And let's face it, I mean, I'll, I'll go back and buy if they have other accessory items that they're willing to sell that are leather goods, let's say leather wallet or something, or, or I'm sorry, leather uh, a belt, a leather belt, right? I've already got a great experience from them. If they hit me up or I go back on Amazon and see that they sell other items, I already know that in my head, I've already had this amazing experience with them. I've got this great value. I expect to get something from them that's gonna be exactly like I got. I won't even do a search, actually. I'll just go directly to them, look at my previous history, and buy right from that person or that company because that is exactly what they set up. They just set me up to be a long-term buyer. And that is what Steven's talking about right now is long-term buyers you can remarket to, that you can resell to, I mean, it just goes on and on. They, and they become life, they can become lifetime customers. So, I mean, that, that is basically what we're going over right now is setting up lifetime customers that will have a lifetime value and it's, but it's all about putting that little extra up front. Now, go ahead. I know you want to jump in there. Go ahead. Well, that, and, and that, that also ties in with uh, what we were talking about at the beginning of the podcast and kind of the theme is if you're going to drive traffic, your advertisement to drive traffic to your site or to retarget people or even to go to Amazon for that matter. Everything is about that user experience. Your advertisement is not to shove people at your product. Your advertisement is your first touch point. It is that nice box with the leather smell and the tissue paper that he was just talking about. That's your first touch point. That's giving people an idea of how they're going to be treated by doing business with you. So if you make it easy for them to understand that and you make it all about them, they're much more likely to buy from you and your ads are going to convert much, much higher. And then on top of that, like we were just talking about, you not only have them once, you have the opportunity to get them again and again and again. And that's, that's a key, key point if we're talking about driving external traffic. So there you go. And, and the, what the fact is, what we're talking about too, it, this is true for whether you sell on eBay through your own Shopify store or sell on Amazon, you should be doing all these exact same things and the same quality of packaging and material that we're talking about. This is across the board e-commerce 101 right here. Like you should be doing this no matter where you're selling. So let's talk a little bit about social listening 101. Why don't you explain to everybody, everybody what that is and then let's talk about it. All right. So if you read any of the online internet marketing forums and everything else, everybody wants to buy ads or, and, and sell stuff. That's just what it is. And most people say, okay, I figured out my product. Now I'm going to go and sell it to people. But you have no idea what the audience is or what they like or if your product really is going to work for them aside from the tool that you used to check the numbers like everybody else does. Um, social listening is saying, okay, I want to sell in a certain niche. Uh, let's say I want to sell pet items. We'll go back to the, do the dog mm -hmm. example. Well, what I'm going to do is before I even get an idea for a product, I say, okay, I kind of want to sell in this niche. I'm interested in it. Uh, I think there's an opportunity there. Let me go and see what's going on. I'm going to go to YouTube channels. I'm going to join Instagram pages. I'm going to go to Facebook groups. I'm going to go on Reddit. I'm going to go in the Amazon reviews. I'm going to see what other people are saying about the niche their problems, competitors, bestsellers, big brands. Uh, maybe I'll, I'll get on a, on, on a tear and somebody like has this cult following even though they're kind of a small brand. I want to know all of that. I want to know what they're doing right. 
because I don't want to go that direction. I want to offer something that, that that's different, right? Differentiating. This is how you do it. You get inside people's heads without them even knowing that you're there. You become a chameleon and you write it down. All right. Then you can go back and say, aha, here we go. This is how you do this. And so we've talked a lot about Shopify and I use Facebook groups extensively. I mean, I, I build almost everything around having a group because what I'll do is I'll, I'll go to a group or a page and I'll start contributing. I'll plug in and I'll say, Hey, here's this, here's that. And if you're not an expert in the thing, go back to the middle part of the podcast. We talked about curating, looking at other examples, coming up with ideas for conversation to drive people to talk all of a sudden with your consistency and bringing new ideas to the group or even things that you're recycling. They haven't talked about in a while just by asking, Say, have we ever, have you guys ever thought about this? I'm thinking about going this, let everybody else chime in because it does two things. Number one, it makes them feel significant and they love you for that by giving them something to contribute to. Uh, number two, you're getting them to spill the beans. All you've done is given, is given them a poke so they can throw up all the information at you. Get the idea of how they feel about some things. And now you can go develop a product. One of the things I do is I'll set up a Facebook group first. And I'll develop an audience with content, you know, curated or, or, or stuff I create myself. And I get people moving in there. It doesn't take long. Everybody thinks it takes like six months or something. I can have a thousand people in a group for probably under 150 bucks within a month. And they're all engaged. It's not just like fake follower crap. People that are genuinely engaged in a niche because I'm going to lead the conversation. Now, what I'm going to do for product development is I'm going to find out what they like, what they've tried. Can I come up with an idea of something that complements something they're already buying? Like if somebody, if there's like this trending thing and there's this like new dog harness out that like everybody's going bananas over. Okay, cool. Can I offer an accessory to that? Mm. that everybody can buy in addition. Ooh, I have this, I have these, you know, I have, I have a Husky. Let's say it's a certain type of dog, right? It's a big dog. Oh, I have this special harness because they're kind of rowdy. Okay, cool. This is a Husky lovers group now. Perfect. I'm going to check out this product. I'm thinking about developing something like this. Would you guys be interested? Oh yeah, that'd be great. You take your butt and you source something, you get 10 samples and you give them out to the group. Say, I just want some feedback from you guys. Realistically, you've just gone and, and, and pulled a fast one on your group indirectly because now you're not going to tell people how great the idea is. You're getting other people in the group to tell the other people how great it is yeah. or if there's a problem. It's like an indirect review kind of thing out in the open before the product goes. They're seeing the development of it. And if they're part of developing it, if they like it, or if you have to tweak it and come back and do it again, okay, cool. Maybe you've run through 15 samples and it's taken four or five weeks, but I'd rather do that than invest thousands in the wrong product. Now, when we get it right, everybody's going to come back, you know, there's four or five people I give it to. And they're going to say, wow, I can't believe nobody else has done this. This is amazing. Blah, blah, blah. Everybody else is going to say, where can I get one? Well, guys, we're going to order a batch. We're going to set it up for you guys. We're going to do a group discount, <laughs> which is really like 10 or 15%, maybe, because you've already built hype. You've already built value. They're a part of it, right? We're going to give you guys the link first on launch day on Amazon. Just go right here and we'll knock it out. I can't wait to see all the pictures and videos that you guys have. Boom, done. Boom, done. Easy. Next. It's, it's, you launch that way. You have everybody ready to rock. You're going to get reviews. They're all talking about it in the group. They're going to share with their, their other friends, right? And okay, cool. That's a passion niche. How do we do it for trash cans? Same way. Home health hygiene. 
Oh, I have this wild idea. Oh, I never would have thought of that for a trash can. Now I don't have to touch stuff. Or now it makes it easier to be able to throw food remains away while I'm cooking with the kids. Yeah. Oh, so much easier, right? Just because a trash can normally sits on the floor and you throw crap in it, can we really honestly develop one that sits properly on the side of a counter? I don't know. Just because you're changing how people use it just a little bit, give it to a few people, let them use it. If they love it, they're going to tell everybody else. And now you're ready to rock because people want to make a good decision that other people have already made. And that's, that's how you can say, okay, now I know what to buy into. And if you want to tie a Shopify store into it, put it back in there. Like I just mentioned uh, earlier in the podcast, run them from the group to the Shopify store, anybody that abandoned carts, run them to Amazon. It's, it's the easiest thing in the world, but that's product development by social listening. I want feedback from people before I invest. I want to know what, what they really, really want. And the biggest thing that people miss when you do social listening, uh, and it ties back into your advertising, everybody talks about talking about the pain points and that's great. But the biggest thing that people miss is talking about the pain of inaction. That's one that people do not talk about. What do you, what happens to you in your life if you sit still? Mm-hmm. I don't want to convince you to buy as much as I want to convince you that it may not be a good idea to keep sitting still on this. Isn't that annoying? And have them convince themselves, yeah, he's probably right. Because if they can, if I can get that in their head, they're going to buy on their own free will. Absolutely. It's not because I pitched anything to them. So it's a psychological game that you play with people. You make it their idea. That's social listening. So there's two paths you can go. You can go product first and find an audience or find an audience and develop a product for the audience. I always do the second because now I know I'm not burning money trying to hope that there's demand for this product that I looked at on on Helium 10 three months ago. Oh, it wasn't so saturated. Now there's a million competitors selling the same thing. Rats to my production line. Yeah. What do you do? I don't want to have to deal with that. Yeah. No way. So I'm going to give two real, two real world examples of exactly what you're talking about. And one is going to be my actual business and how I got it going back in, I'm going to give away some age here a long time ago when there was Palm Pilots, which is basically prior to the cell phone era, I went out and made a website that was how to take apart the phone or the uh, Palm Pilot. And I just posted this little you know, a couple pictures and this was very early 2000s and it was because there was a bunch of bulletin boards, which are kind of the Facebook nowadays, right? There was a bunch of boards that were posting, oh, I broke it. I'm having trouble getting fixed. Oh, it's so expensive. So I posted this thing on how to fix it and all of a sudden that site blew up and everybody's like, where do I buy a part? Where do I buy a part? Now I was in a problem of I had a site, I had demand, but I didn't have the product. So what did I do? I went and solved it by finding the product to sell to them. Now, what you were also talking about was evolving, making sure that you're not sitting still. Here comes the BlackBerry. Let's jump on that train. Here comes the iPhone. The iPhone comes around. Let's do a different spin. I turn around and take the iPhone and start providing free how-to videos. Let's evolve from taking pictures to now free videos on YouTube. 19 years I ran a business until I sold that. So exactly what Steven's talking about is basically how I started my business and it ran seven figures for 19 years. So he's telling you exactly what you need to do. 
Another quick example, if anybody out there is watching The Undercover Billionaire, that's a show on, I think it's on Discovery right now. One of the things he talks about- I just talked about. Yeah, he, he did exactly what he talks about. He went and found a need and then went and found the product. Somebody needed these big giant tires for, uh, I think it was tractors, and he went out and found the tires and then sold them to the guy. So that's how he made money by, and that's social listening right there. He actually, the way he found out was he got on, I think it was, uh, I think it was a Craigslist or something like that and looked for what people needed. So that's exactly what Steven's talking about, is get on there and look for what people need. What, what you'll find is that every big corporation that you can read about, every billion dollar corporation, every monster corporation is customer focused. They make money indirectly because they're so customer focused. Apple does not, is not trying to push a phone at you. It's the experience of the customer within the Apple ecosystem, which is why people buy MacBooks and MacBook Pros and iMacs and iPhones and you know, iPods and, and iPads. And it's, it's the entire ecosystem as a customer experience. That's what people focus on. If you guys want to agree, if you guys want to um, read a great book on how customer experience can drive a gigantic business, uh, pick up a book called Delivering Happiness. It's by, uh, it was, it was Tony, Tony Sai, I think is his name. Uh, he's the CEO of Zappos. Guys, Zappos is worth $840 million. It's the number one online shoe company. And everything about them, they said all they give a shit about is customers. Customer, customer. Like their helpline, you can call and talk about anything. Doesn't even have to do with shoes. And that's what they delivered. They delivered an amazing customer experience. And because people want that, People want to connect with other people. They want to be made to feel like, okay, what's in it for me? If this company understands my needs and can give me what I need more than I even may realize, okay, yeah, sure. So it's like I was mentioning with the gym membership earlier. Why would I buy a gym membership? Well, because I want to be healthier. I want to do this. Not because quote unquote, I want to lose weight. No, it's because, hey, I don't want to change, overchange my diet. That's kind of difficult. I would, I, I, I want to be more attractive. Where do I start? Well, you got to get in the gym. Okay. Well, what about that personal training package? Look, you can hurt yourself or I can give you some tips and make it easy. If you just come in here every day and you follow this little process, this is all you really need and we'll get there. Okay, cool. Let me buy the personal training package. I'm not buying it for the package itself. I'm buying it to actualize my wanting to get in better shape and be more attractive, right? That's, that's how that works. So when people buy your vitamin C serum, as an example, they're not buying it to smooth out their skin. They're not buying it to have healthier skin. They're buying it so they don't have to go to the dermatologist, so they don't have to change their diet as much, so they don't have to pound water all day, so they can be more attractive. So they don't have to worry about going out and being socially anxious because someone is staring at the pits in their face. Yeah. That's what they're really doing. And if you understand that with people, that's, that's the idea. Well, how the hell do you talk about that? That becomes the next subject. You don't have to talk about it. Yeah. You can, you can, you can put it in your content. Like I would say, you know, I, I would run a piece of content, uh, five ways to get over social anxiety. If I were running a beauty brand, whoa, whoa. Because if I can be more comfortable around people, I'm going to be more comfortable dressing myself up a little bit, taking a little better care of my skin. Whoa. Yeah. That's how you do it. And that's how these huge companies do it. They do social listening. If you've ever heard of focus groups, that's a thing. 
fun, like two second story, the Barbie doll actually started because of a famous psychotherapist back in the late forties, early fifties named Ernest Dichter. And he founded focus groups, the center for motivational research in New York. So um, Ruth Handler who invented the Barbie doll in the fifties, she tried to get it bought for commercial use, like by Sears and, and by FAO Schwartz, which is a big toy company back in the day. Yep. And nobody would buy it because it was an anatomically correct doll or relatively anatomically. Right. So she said, how the hell do I sell this? She went to the psychoanalysis. He said, don't sell it as a toy. Sell it as a health device. Why? How did he know that? He surveyed mothers and daughters. Mothers, their biggest concern for their daughters was teaching them good hygiene. Mm. Daughters were bored only being able to play the role of mother. If you make Barbie a fashion icon, fashion icons take care of themselves. Mom will buy it for the daughter. Daughters will crave the fashion icon because now I can change the outfit and come up with any kind of pretend career I want to live out in the living room that I want versus having only a baby doll and being mom. That's the power of social listening. If you understand it, you know what products to come out with next because the market will tell you people are dying and craving and begging to have their needs met because oftentimes they don't understand them themselves. But if you can deliver on that, man, like money becomes a secondary thing to you delivering customer experience. It happens by itself. It's so easy. So there's, there's social listening in a nutshell. Yeah. Yeah. I'll give a a example on uh, another example like this. It has to do with supplements and I can't give out a name or a brand name, but this person went and put their listings up on Amazon, spent the next six months marketing it, putting ads out there. A men's magazine, they put an ad out there. They had studies done. They had people test it. Before it even went live, it was already popular and people were demanding to buy it on Amazon. Then it was finally available. And sure enough, it's one of the top brands or uh, supplements on Amazon. It was all about marketing it first and building up the hype to it and the understanding of it and getting people to jump on board, creating the demand, then giving the product. So it was amazing. So before we wrap this up, I want to talk just a smidge about how you got into marketing and it's not really a smidge, but why don't you tell us like what got you into marketing back in the day? All right. So uh, when I was much, much younger, late teens, early twenties, that kind of thing, Uh, I took up the hobby of dancing, ballroom dancing, and I got really good at it. Really, really, really good. Like I was traveling around doing it. Um, And I figured out I could make money with it. But people with dancing, like in a local market, it's a very, very small audience. We don't have millions of people to get millions of impressions like we do online. So I figured out a way to get people to come in and dance. And I sold north of, you know, $400,000 of dance lessons year after year after year to the local, uh, the local population here, here in, in, in my city. Um, but what I found out was that people weren't, you know, I realized people weren't coming in to dance. That's not what people wanted to come in for. Uh, people were coming in to, uh, to use that as a vehicle to actualize other things. Perhaps they were socially awkward. Perhaps they were self-conscious. Perhaps they wanted, they were lonely. They wanted to be around other people they admired. Like, and it's, it's always, always easy. If you have someone come in that's a little bit overweight, you say, oh, well, they want to get in better shape by dancing. No, the hell they don't. That's not their aim. They want to be around people that want to be around them. They want to move gracefully. They want to be admired by people that they admire. They want to feel like they can be around people without having to worry about being a burden to them 
because maybe they don't move as well, but other people are going to enjoy them all the same. And every single dance lesson was an experience like a content ad, so to speak, or a content article. It was an experience in them bettering themselves toward the better self that they were trying to become. It was a step in that direction. And so we could track the progress of I can do this movement and that movement. Oh yeah, it's so much easier. And now I can go to, you know, to some of the parties that we have and I'm not afraid to ask people. Well, if they're not afraid to ask people in an environment where everybody knows everybody and you're all going to be nice, there's you know, 50 or 100 people in the room, now they're not going to be afraid to talk to their coworkers as much. They're not going to be afraid to ask for the raise. They're not going to be afraid to talk to their family a certain way. They're, you know, all of these things have a butterfly effect of repercussion. Okay, boom. I figured it out that, that, okay, this is the product, but let me understand people's real ulterior motives. Let me say, what are they really trying to tell me? And then when I got out of that, uh, I got into the, I got into the, to, to the, the online marketing space and I, I, that's where I started. So I've only ever been able to do social listening and found out that's what the biggest companies do. And I was like, well, this is how I understand how to sell people things. I have to figure out what really makes them tick. And just because they tell you something in plain English, their, their literal sentence may not actually be what they mean when you consider the context with which they've delivered that statement. Very, very different things. So you have to, you have to take that into consideration. And guys, pro tip, if you're looking at just numbers, numbers need to be neat. Numbers do not take into account the context with how people make their decisions. Not one bit. And, and you have to factor for that. Uh, and I, I, tell my, I tell my finance guys all the time, I, want, I, I do not want to be hyper-efficient. I, I tell my people that, that help me with Ads Manager all the time and Facebook, I do not want to hyper-optimize. Yeah. I want to be effective over being efficient because then I can get a better customer experience, I get better referrals, I get better lifetime value, I get better customer retention. And that's how you're gonna sell more. If you absolutely just wanna make more money, focus on your customers and helping them become a better whatever it is that they're interested. If you're selling um, pet supplies, okay, they're not doing it, they're not buying it to treat their dog better. They're doing it because they view their dog as part of the family. And they want to prolong the good memories that they can have with that part of the family. If I can get more engaged with my dog, I can enjoy that part of my family more. So that when I'm having a bad day and I see the picture flash through my feet of some doggy, now I can go back to that good memory. Buying your product and having that experience with your brand can give that to them if you point that out. Because people aren't going to think about that on their own. That's what your content is for. That's what your user experience is for. That's what your social listening is for. People will tell you what they need and you just got to create it for them. It's the easiest thing in the world. And if they consume it, then they're going to want to buy from you too. That's how it works. That's exactly it. Wow, Stephen, that, that is some great information. Uh, just so everybody, again, I'm going to reiterate, Stephen Black, Unstoppable FBA, website and the Facebook group. Uh, you should definitely follow Steven on Facebook. He posts great articles. I always stop and make sure I read them because the content is always good. His videos are great and all his content is just amazing. I appreciate you being on and I'm gonna definitely get you on again down the road here. Uh, it, it, it's just, I think there's so much content we could keep going for probably another hour or two, but we're gonna go ahead and stop. So I, Steven, thanks for being on, I really appreciate it. 
I really appreciate you having me. Thank you so much. And I look forward to seeing you all in the group and talking to you next time. All right. Thanks, David. Bye. Thanks for joining us this week on the Ecom Wiz podcast. Special thanks to our sponsor, FeedbackWiz.com. Be sure to subscribe to the show so you'll never miss an episode. Join us next week for more great tips to help Amazon sellers dominate the marketplace.